Jesus Christ. Amen. So obviously you heard from the gospel today, we're talking about water. Got me thinking about water and what it means truly to, to quench our thirst. Who knows who the thirst quencher is? What, what product? Let's see how well they advertise. Who's the thirst quencher? Gatorade. See, they've done a good job with advertising, haven't they? Those millions of dollars paid off. We know the thirst quencher, Gatorade. But does it quench our thirst? They have a special bottle, a 24-ounce bottle, the thirst quencher. You would think after 24 ounces of anything, your thirst should be quenched, right? What's our go-to? How do we quench our thirst? I remember uh, there was a time where my wife and I were heading to the airport, and I was probably complaining about uh, having to pay for parking, and, and Julianne Brunsky said, my father lives out there. If you park in his driveway, he'll give you a ride over. And I thought, really? So I call up uh, Mike George, and of course he, he offered to do that, which was great. And I'll never forget, when he picked us back up at the end of our trip, he handed my wife and I a bottle of water. I said, that was really nice. He goes, it never fails. Anytime somebody gets off a plane, they're thirsty, right? I always bring a bottle of water when I help somebody out and they pick them up from the airport. That got me thinking. He's right. What is it about that? What is it the things that we do that all of a sudden we have that thirst? And the thing about actual physical thirst is we know how to quench it. But we see how Jesus uses this idea of water with the Samaritan woman at the well today. Right? Our Latin gospel reading for today shows us this interaction between Jesus and a skeptical Samaritan woman. Why? Of all the stories of the gospels preparing us on this road during Lent, here we see an interaction on one-on-one, -on -one, and it's a rather long reading, right? This interaction between Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Let's talk about it a little bit. Uh, I want to just start verse 7. You know, Jesus asks for a drink, right? He asks for a drink. Now, he does need it. We kind of covered that a little bit in the children's message. He is human. We know Jesus is there, and he comes out in the middle of the day. Uh, it said the sixth hour. We're talking about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It's probably hot. The sun's coming down. He's thirsty. Excuse me, noon. It started at 6. So it's about noon. He comes out. He's thirsty. He asks for a drink. And, of course, <laughs> we know Jesus has a little bit of an ulterior motive here. Can we call it an ulterior motive? He wants to share him. So the woman says in verse 9, well, she doesn't say this, but basically verse 9, the Samaritan woman said to him, How is that you, a Jew, ask for a drink for me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. She's like, I'm not worthy. I'm not. Here's the thing. She shows her knowledge of Scripture. She shows what it means that God is going to send his son. She's surprised. First, it's this man talking to her and a Jew, asking her for a drink. So we see these two questions come up. How will you draw water? You don't have anything to draw it with. I guess there's no community bucket, right? They all have to bring their own. It's probably safer that way. And where do you get this living water? He got her thinking. She heard what he said. 
her surprise that he's talking to her, much less asking her for a drink. She gets past that. And that second question comes up. Where do I get this living water you're talking about? The idea of not having to drink again, not having to come out to this well. I'm sure it wasn't easy. How deep before you get to water and having to draw up that water? I'm sure it was a lot of work. She's like, this sounds like an interesting idea. So now he has her attention. That's why I put the comic strips to hold your attention, right? Now, he has her attention. She's curious. And he says this, and I think it's great. My water is greater than this well water. My water. He's not offering a reverse osmosis system or bottled water to her. But he says, my water is greater than this well water. How do we understand that? Well, first off, it says you will never drink of this, of, of uh, drink again. And again, uh, is it figurative, metaphorical? How are we talking about it? Of course, in the earthly sense, she is going to need water. I think, what they say? We can live three days without water, right? And then we're going to die. Our body stops functioning. We have to stay hydrated, as was mentioned in the children's sermon. This idea of how it is that, that that's going to happen. It's the spring to eternal life. The spring to eternal life. Um, we talk about the thirst quencher in the opening. We talked about Gatorade being the thirst quencher. Jesus says, I am the thirst quencher. When you trust in me, you never have to thirst again. Water. Sold. She wants this water. Now, this is where it gets really interesting, where um, Jesus' two interactions here with women, this idea of the woman at the well, it talks about how she was married, was it five times? The guy she's with isn't hers. And I got thinking about John 8, the adulterous woman brought before Jesus, where they try to trap Jesus to see what he would do. And he gets to where, you know, he is without sin, throw the first stone. I started getting these a little confused. This woman wasn't called out like in John 8, and yet I was thinking if we read into what Jesus is calling her out about, she's certainly, um, well, let's just say maybe morally she isn't quite uh, what Jesus is, is calling us to act like, right? And yet here he is coming to her. Offering her the spring of eternal life. Do her actions reflect what she believes? I mean, she did show a faith. She did say, hey, I know what's going to happen. I know the Messiah is coming. He was called the Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. Here we are. Before Peter and Paul have gone off and started uh, witnessing and, and preaching to the Gentiles, she knew. And that's where I... First, ask us today in this first part, do our actions reflect our beliefs? You probably hear in every one of my sermons how we're going to share Christ with others, right? How we're going to share Christ, how we're going to share Christ. I usually write all sermons to members of Grace Lutheran with the assumption, number one, you know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you're all going to heaven. All right? If one of you are out there or two of you are, if somebody's out there that doesn't know Jesus or doesn't believe they're saved, come talk to me, all right? Because I'm sure my sermon is awful for you and, and you're needing more. And that's great. We'll talk. But knowing Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, is God's chosen uh, people who love him, who are planning to spend eternity with him, what's left? 
Tell others. So, yep, I'm going to bring it up just about every Sunday. Are we going to share it with others? Are we going to tell others? Here's where it gets difficult. Do our actions reflect our beliefs? The number one argument I hear outside these walls of people that want to church is it's full of hypocrites. And they're right. It's full of sinners. One of my favorite church signs I've ever seen was, you know, perfect people not welcome. We are. We're sinners. Sinner saint. Every time I step in the pulpit, I'm not trying to tell you, you should do as I do. It's usually, oh, let's figure this out and ask God for forgiveness. Trust in him and point people to him. I think we have to be very careful how our witness comes across sometimes. I'm not saying you have to be perfect because none of us are. We're sinful. But showing the ability to humble ourselves and share Christ. The ability to go to somebody who you know needs to know the love of Jesus Christ, that true eternal water, to be able to share him in a way that doesn't come across as, let me tell you about Jesus, but let me tell you about my Lord and Savior. Posture and where we come from. Do our actions reflect our beliefs? A faith in Jesus Christ pointing people to him when we're struggling. A week ago, Saturday, I went to two funerals. Well, I went to one funeral, and I, I held a memorial service here, but, but it was a very different, very different uh, hours that we spent between that funeral there and the memorial service here. But one thing I can say walking away from both is we pointed people to Jesus. We pointed them to the eternal spring. That's where I want to talk real quick before we get to come up and participate in the body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is worshiping the Father in spirit and truth. It comes from verse 23. But the hour is coming and is now here when we, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. I'll, I'll go on to verse 24. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. It starts with baptism. Surprise! We're talking about water. Let's take it to the waters of baptism, right? Thursday night, little Elise, I had a three-year-old that was getting baptized before her father uh, is going to be deployed. And so I, one of the things I love to do with, with the younger children is to take them into the sacristy. I hope that's okay. Is there an age restriction on the sacristy? I hope not. I take them into the sacristy to get the water and ask them to check the water temp. Is this okay? I want them to see. Where do we get the water? It's out of the faucet. Just plain water, right? Until water and word, right? Very catechetical. It's plain water. And what was great about Elise is she felt the water. She goes, yeah, the temperature is good. She's such a little cutie. So I put it up in the baptismal font, and I get the stool up, you know, because she's three years old. And we get ready to go, and it's that time, and we've declared we believe in God, the creator, and Jesus, the redeemer, and the Holy Spirit, the sanctifier, and it's time to go. And we get up there, and the first thing does step up, and she puts her hand right in the water. I said, is the temperature still good? She goes, yep. I said, okay, it's my turn now. Get your hand out. We poured that water on Elisa's head in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and she received the water we're talking about today. The finest H2O we can have. No, it wasn't through a reverse osmosis system. It wasn't out of a Gatorade bottle. It was plain water. The moment I got to step foot in the Jordan River, when we went to that trip to the Holy Land, 
some of the smelliest, grossest water I've ever seen. People are taking samples, so I'm like, no, yuck. <laughs> but what a special place to know that is where our Savior was baptized. The Holy Spirit came down in the dove where God spoke. It's not about the water. It's about God's word with the water. It's about that water that truly gives us what we need. The Holy Spirit giving us an opportunity. Did you have a Holy Spirit moment this week where he got you to say something you didn't know you could say or to do something you were afraid to do? If not, look for one. They come all the time now. Make sure you're waking up. Use me. Help me. Push me. What are we doing, Holy Spirit? What have you got in store for today? When the teachers come in here every morning to be in devotions, and who knows how the teachers pick, how I pick, we're going to pick a devotion, and, and whether or not we hear the words that day, the Holy Spirit's working on us, and he's preparing them. What is going to get thrown at them today? What child is going to need to be pointed to Jesus? We have to trust that's the water we need. Second, being united with Jesus in worship. Hopefully when you come in here every Sunday, or Wednesday night, or opportunities you have. I hope it's not the only time you're feeling the spirit of talking to Jesus. But certainly it is amazing how getting rid of all the earth's, all the, all the world's distractions allows us to focus. Being united with Jesus in worship. Kind of leads us to this last question I want to talk about to finish up today. Where does church fit in? Talking today about this water that springs eternal life. Talking about this idea of having Jesus and knowing where we're going to be. Where does church fit in? You're all here. You chose after losing an hour of sleep to still get up this morning. Maybe some of you didn't know that because your phone and alarm changed automatically. You lost an hour of sleep if you didn't know that, okay? Um, <laughs> You hopefully craved coming in and speaking to the Lord. Hopefully you, you sat down and you said, oh, communion today. Am I sorry for my sins? Yes. Do I really believe in God? Yes. With the help of God, will I change my sinful ways? Yes. And you prepared your hearts to, to, to partake in the body and blood, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in, with, and under the bread and wine. Hopefully when you come here, and receive absolution for your sins and get a chance to proclaim praises to God through music, through singing, through speaking the words to him. This is what reminds us each and every time of that well that is in us. When it talks about, Jesus said to her, I, I who speak to you am he. Yes, he went to her one-on-one -on -one at the well, but that's the opportunity, the opportunity we have every single time we speak to Jesus. To be in his presence, to have that opportunity to remind him how much we love him, to thank him that he took on the price for our sins. To say once again, see you later. Want to give me an idea when? <laughs> we don't know when are you coming back when are you bringing me home alright you're not going to tell me again I'll just keep being ready hopefully you get that here I want to challenge you and challenge myself and Pastor Jeff today
If you're not, what do you need? One of my favorite go-tos I've gone back to when I was a teacher, this was one of my favorite uh, go-tos when a child was struggling, usually a middle school boy. Um, and I found myself now in this new role at Grace, helping out at the school, using it more often. But one of my favorite go-tos when they're struggling and they don't know why they're struggling because they don't know their kids. Uh, is I always say, do you need a hug or a kick in the butt? And they kind of look at me like, what? What do you need to help yourself do better? Do you need a hug or a kick in the butt? I'm willing to do both. What do you need, right? As the associate pastor of Grace Lutheran Church and School, what do you need to further your walk with the Lord? To continue seeing that well, that spring of eternal life coming through you. Do you need a hug or a kick in the butt? Because we're here for you. What is it you need to continue being in the word? This walk, this 40-day walk, it seems like everybody, when we start seeing Lent start and we get the ashes, it's like, all right, it's go time, 40 days. Some people get on this kick and they do more prayer, they do more devotions. We're talking 365 all year long. How do we help you in your walk with the Lord? Let us continue. It's not about the feels. I heard that, that statement the other day. I had to work that into the sermon, the feels. Somebody said, you know, they were worshiping and they got the feels. That's the place. It's about a consistent relationship with the Lord, not about moments. He'll bring you moments. You worry about being with him all the time to have that well in you. Jesus is the true living water, and we receive that living water in our baptism, in absolution, and in God's body and blood. We have the ability to pass on this living water to everybody, everywhere. Let's not be selfish. Let's be like the water boy and grow the body of Christ. Amen. 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 And with that.